Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will empower and inspire you. 1 Samuel 18 and verse 20, it says, In the meantime, Saul's daughter Michael had fallen in love with David, and Saul was delighted when he heard about it. Here's another chance to see him killed by the Philistines. Saul said to himself, but to David, he said, today you have a second chance to become my son-in-law. This is an amazing passage of scripture to me because we have Saul uh, talking to himself and then talking to David. He's having two conversations and the conversations could not be more different. To himself, he's saying, I'm gonna kill David. And then the next breath he's saying to David, hey, you've got another shot at becoming my son-in-law. And last week, we began to dive into this thought that often in life, we're saying one thing with our mouths and another thing with our hearts. That in our lives, it can be very real. You can turn it back down again, sorry, buddy. It can be very real that you have one conversation internally and another externally. David, sorry, Saul is saying loving things to David and he's saying hateful things to himself. Two conversations. We've been looking at the fact that this duplicious tendency corrodes our human relationships, that it robs us of faith, it undermines our integrity, fills us with falsehood, and that it is clearly an issue to God. That it is a natural deal that in our lives we can live our lives with two conversations. One what we're saying inside, one what we're saying with our mouths. We can be saying, love you bro, life is good, really appreciate you, but on the inside we're thinking, I don't really like that person, I don't know if I trust you, shut up, I don't want you talking about your job promotion. We're saying, hey, praise God, you just got blessed with five grand. Internally, you're thinking, I can think of a hundred places where that money would be more deserving. We live our lives with two conversations, right? And the problem is that integrity must be, by definition as a Christian, aligning your internal and external conversation. From the time you come into this world, you are taught to mind what you say with your mouth, but nobody ever gets to have access to what's going on with your internal conversation. And perhaps as much focus as we give to what we say, God is also interested in what we think which is why we find in one of the key scriptures in this whole series is Psalm 19 verse 14, where David said, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. He's saying, God, you aren't just interested in what I say, you're interested in what I think. These two conversations count to God. Last week, we explored the fact that uh, God sent his son to Jesus, came to Abraham uh, when they were still yet to give birth to Isaac. And Sarah is inside the tent. And the Lord, who always in the Old Testament is a picture for us of Jesus, 
Jesus is conversing with Abraham, and he says to Abraham, where is Sarah? And he says, Sarah's buried in the tent. And he says, well, about this time next year, I'm going to turn up, and Sarah is going to have a son. And Sarah, the Bible says, laughs to herself as she thought, you know what? I am old. I am worn out. I am past the season of having children. Am I now going to be blessed with a kid? And so the Lord challenges Sarah. I want you to remember this as our message develops. And he says, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she think that? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And we discover that the barrier between the miracle that God wanted to bring to Sarah was not what she said, because she's smiling, she's making meals, you know, it was what she was thinking. Have you ever stopped to consider that it's not just your Christian rhetoric that can either bring the miraculous or prevent the miraculous, either attract God to your life or repel Him, it is more often than not the barrier of the miraculous in our lives is not what we say, but what we, what we think. Our internal conversation counts. It, our internal conversation is of paramount importance. In fact, turn with me now to our first text for today where we start to see this in action. It's James chapter one. And in verse five, we discover something about the power of God's miraculous hand. When in James 1.5, it says, if you need wisdom, just ask our generous God and he will give it to you. Hey, pause. That's amazing, right? If you need something that you don't have in your life, we worship a generous God who delights in giving it to you. Man, let's have a little praise break for a sec. He's a great God. That's encouraging, right? If I find myself without wisdom, if I find myself without resources, if I find myself in need of a healing, I can approach my generous God who gives to all, and he's not looking at faults before he gives. That's important. It's not the level of your righteousness that counts. It's not how materially, like, how, how, how circumstantially brilliant you are. Like, I, I prayed today. I worshiped today. I did the, I tithe this week. So therefore, God's going to bless me. All those things are important, but the Bible is not saying that they become basis of whether God is going to bring the miracle or not. He says, if you found Jesus, if God is in your life, then you have now stepped into God's favor. He loves you. And when you ask him, he's going to give you good things. By the way, if you're hearing this message today and you don't know Jesus, you don't have to get your life perfect before you let God get involved with your life. Completely the opposite. The reason why we need God involved in our lives is because none of us are perfect, right? So you just ask God to come into your life, and He does. So that's amazing until we start reading the next verses. I, I brought you in. But when you ask Him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. So here we find kind of a, 
and, and, and a, a teaching to align the conversation with Sarah. If your mouth is like, God, I need you, I want you, I ask you, but your head is saying, I don't believe you, I don't trust you, I don't think that you're going to bless me. Well, the Bible is saying that in that context, the words of our mouths do not have the impact that we desire. So in our Christian lives, the greatest challenge perhaps that can come to us is not just to change what we ask, but to change what we think. It's saying, man, if you have a divided loyalty, and in fact, in, in other translations, it says when you doubt, when you come to God and you say one thing with your mouth, but you believe something different about Him on the inside of you, then the Bible is saying it is like you are driven and tossed by the wind. In my Christian experience, many times this has been my reality. I want something, I, I have a, a lip service towards God that says He's amazing, and He loves me, and He does good things, but in my heart, I'm thinking, well, maybe it's the other person, you know, I'm, I don't know, you know, I, I doubt that it's for me, and the Bible is saying that we've got we've to start looking, not just at what we're asking of God, but what we're thinking towards God. If we want His miraculous hand to be at work within our lives. Turn over with me now to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. This is what the Bible says in verse 8 of Romans 10. It says, in fact, it says, speaking about the Bible, the message is very close at hand. It's in two locations. It's on your lips and it's in your heart. And the message that... That, and, and the message, and that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So the Bible is saying, man, it's half mouth and half heart, half what you say and half what you think. Now, we know that all it takes is a seed of faith for salvation to come to your life. It's not like any doubt disqualifies salvation. But the Bible is clearly saying that it's not just an external conversation that's going to shift us into the will of God, right? It's saying in James 1, you've got to ask and you've got to believe in your heart. You've got to have the right internal conversation. Here, it's saying profess with your mouth and believe in your heart. It's saying it's in your mouth and it's in your heart. It's saying it's in the external conversation and it is an impact for us on our internal conversation. Now, this whole series is to say one thing. You can change your internal conversation. I, I, I am so inspired and encouraged. How about you? Because when I start reading scripture, I'm like, that part of my conversation needs to change. That part of what I've been thinking needs to be altered. Have you ever stopped to just survey that, that with your mouth, you were editing every moment? I mean, I am a preacher. I, I literally can be thinking one thing while saying another. I can, I can do that. I've spent 20 years of my life developing that skill. If you don't have it, then you quickly get to a point where you're not sure what the next point is in your sermon it doesn't do anybody any favors if I just go silent and awkwardly walk back 
to my notes. If you ever watched a young preacher do that, that's the longest walk of your life. Three steps is an eternity. Any young preachers out there just got, yeah, thank you. Levi's the only honest one. The rest are lying. But the truth is that, you know, whilst we, whilst we edit what we say with our mouths constantly, we play these unedited films in the, re, the theater of our mind just all the time. And that, that, that counts to God. In fact, I believe that not only is our Bible telling us you can change your internal conversation, God actually calls for us to change our internal conversation as an expression of worship towards Him. That's vital. It's not just about changing your internal conversation because it will make your thought life better, it's, which it will. It's actually acknowledging God wants you and I to change our internal conversation so that our worship of Him will be all the more pure, so that our, our lives will continue to emulate Him. You don't become a great Christian just because you can talk the course Christian talk. You become a God-worshiping Christian when you can think the Christian thought. That's a whole different level. In fact, read with me in the book of Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, uh, just over a, 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 a couple of from the last passage, and it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Okay, that's an important line. Then the next sentence, don't copy the behavior or customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. What a loaded scripture. The Bible is literally saying, uh, first key sentence, this is truly the way to worship him. So when we read that line, this is the way you worship him, sit up. Because you can easily think, well, I really did a great job of hand extension. I, I, I even, like in that reflective song, was, I, I had to wipe my eyes three times. Um, when I prayed, I had a little quivering of the lip going down, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like... And God is saying, well, that's, that's awesome, that's, that's fine, you know, present your bodies, to, that's, that's awesome. But then he says, hang on, it goes, it goes deeper than that. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Remember that divided loyalty, God and the world? A pattern of skepticism, of doubt, selfishness. You know, just read the scriptures, just all the way through there. We read scriptures that talk about, you know, lust, idolatry, you know, we read scriptures that talk about, you know, anger, malice, bitterness, judgment, and we apply them to the external, realizing that that's just a little bit. God doesn't want you just to be saying less judgmental things. He wants you thinking less judgmental thoughts. Hello. Because it goes on and it says that we 
should let God transform us into new people by changing the way that we think. Then here's the next one. When our thinking has been changed by Him, that's when we begin to discover His will for us. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, I've been studying this like crazy, and here's the relationship. Whenever God says, think different, He always points to life. So what God is saying in His Word is that when you and I think different thoughts, we will live a better life. When we deal with our thinking, our lives will improve. That's amazing, isn't it? Because we learn God wants us to change our thinking. Because when we change our thinking, that's the kind of worship that He desires. And then we discover, consistent again with all of Scripture, that when God calls for our worship, it is to give us a better life. When He says change that thinking, it is to give us a better kind of life. We can change our internal thinking, and when we do, our lives are going to improve. So here's the $64 million question. How do you change what you're thinking about? Well, anybody who's ever read the Bible will probably guess point number one. Point number one is that we change our internal conversation by filling our thoughts with the Word of God. Oh man, let me just turn to Hebrews chapter 12. I've got it in my, in my, in my text, but I want to read it from my, my paper one here. Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 would be a better place to turn where it says in Hebrews 4.12 that the Word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It exposes our inmost thoughts and desires. So what the Scripture is literally saying is that we have been given something that can highlight for us all areas for improvement in our internal conversation, and it is called the Word of God. The Bible is God's Word. It is crucial for this message that we understand. God sent Jesus to Sarah because Sarah had no Bible. God sent His Son. His Son is the Word. He left us the Bible. You don't need a visitation of Jesus to deal with your internal conversation. Come on, give God some praise for His Word. This is the most, most revolutionary discovery in our lives, and that is that the fundamental way that we change our internal conversation is by taking this Word and living it in our hearts when you take the Bible and you begin to meditate on it, when you begin to let it fill our thoughts, man, well, firstly, the Bible says that we are washed by the water of the Word. So it doesn't matter what kind of rubbish. Man, maybe you've just found Jesus. And before you found Jesus, your mind was full with all kinds of stuff. You were bitter towards your parents, filled with angry towards anybody. You get in a fist fight just because somebody said hello. Maybe your mind is full of pornography. Maybe addiction has so beaten you down that you feel like you were just at the bottom of life and you could never get victory over anything. Well, here is the greatest key anybody can ever discover. Take this book. Start meditating on it. 
Start reading it. Just start devouring it. Make it every, make it a focus of your breakfast, your morning tea, your lunch, your afternoon tea. Make it dinner. Make it supper. Take this book and pour your life into it because I'm here to tell you that it will break things over your mind. It will break thoughts. It will liberate lives. It will free people from prison cells. You might have thought that you were always going to be at the bottom, but you'll start reading here and discover that Jesus has won the victory over everything that ever came your way. He is now seated at the right hand of the Father. There is no name higher than Jesus, and every addiction, every problem, every defeat must bow to the name of Jesus, who is not just seated in eternity, but seated on the throne of your heart. I'm here to tell you, nothing can hold you back. Come on, pause and give him a little bit of praise. This word is alive. Whoa. We thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. Oh, man. Our world, is it not, is so cynical. Just so cynical. So negative. People will just pull you 64 million different ways, validify all kinds of crap. Just, just you know, I'm, I'm not even sure in some nations out there that might have been a swear word, but in New Zealand, it's not uh, technically. It's like right on the, the edge, but not over it. But yeah, in some nations, it's a big swear word, but it's not New Zealand. You with me? Just give me a little yeah. And they're really pious here, you know. <laughs> you know, it, it, it just fills your head with all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And, and we have got to realize that God is literally saying, you've got to, you've got to make some conscious choices about what is going to get into this head. Yeah. Psalm chapter 1, Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, that cynicism, that negativity. But they delight in the law of the Lord and they meditate on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank bearing fruit each season. Their, wee, their leaves will never wither and they prosper in all that they do. Take this word. Meditate on it. The Bible literally says, meditate on it day and night. Day and night. And if you do that, you'll be blessed in everything you do. If you change your thinking, you'll discover God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. If you fill this word in your heart, then everything you touch, your marriage will get better, your, your exam results will go up, your life will improve, your health will go north. That is not an empty promise. That is the power of the living, breathing Word of God when it starts to occupy the heart and life of a person. Come on, if you believe it, give God some praise. Oh, man. Oh, man. You know what they say when you get to the end of your life, you'll never regret time you spent with your family. Can I just say to you, halfway through my life, I'm 43 years old, you will never regret one moment you spent reading the Bible. You will never, ever regret taking the Word of God and putting it into your head and your heart. 
if the reason why you read it was for it to change you. That's a caveat. Not so you could become a more knowledgeable person to look proud in the eyes of other Christians. But if your heart is worship and you pour your life into this book, then it will literally change the way you think. It'll bring victory to you. Life and freedom will overtake your whole being. Pour this Bible into your life. Isn't it interesting how David said, meditate on it day and night, day and night. Where do you think he learned that? I think he learned that. Because when Goliath came out to taunt the Israelites, he only came out in the morning and in the evening. If you really are struggling with something in your thought life today, I want to make this, this super practical. Last, year, last week, a lot of hype. Today, a lot of content. If you want, if you're struggling, if something in your head, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe there is just an overwhelming problem with anxiety. Maybe, maybe it's fears. Maybe... Maybe it is just really bad thoughts that go through your head. I, I want to give you one key. Give God your first thought and your last thought. When you go to sleep, put your Bible on the nightstand. The moment you wake up, pick up your Bible and read it. Fall asleep with your Bible on your chest. Like, I'm not saying like this. I'm saying like, Put your head on the pillow, put the book in front of you, wake up two hours later, shut the Bible and turn off the lamp. I use an iPad mini, but you know, you've just got to put this thing first and last. I reckon people in our church could break like generational thought patterns if they just give God their first thought and their last thought. This book is no small book. It's living and powerful. It penetrates the dividing of soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It's not just for a new believer. It's for a 50-year-on-the-journey believer. It's not just for old people. It's for young people. It is living and powerful. God gave it to us so we could change our lives and change our minds so that we could worship Him. Oh, man, the second thing that we must do uh, if we're going to change our internal conversation, is consciously invite God to change how we think. This is about acknowledging, I need to change. I ask you, Lord, to help me. I'm saying make it a prayer. Make it a prayer. We must make it a prayer. Psalm 139, 23, 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Here's David's heart. Point out in me, Anything that offends you. He's talking about his thoughts. Test me, know my thoughts. Point out any of them that offend you. And again, same thing. Lead me in the path of everlasting life. Can you see the theme? Change your thinking, honor God, know a greater life. And friends, you know, I've spent the last three years with one scripture just like challenging me on a weekly, monthly, annual basis, your eye is the lamp of your body. If your eye is good, your whole body is full of light. If your eye is bad, your body is full of darkness. See to it that the light within you is not darkness. When any man's eye is good, his whole body is full of light. If you are fully lighted, then you will become as though the light of the sun is shining on you. It's, it's God's challenge to me. John, change the way you think. Do you know my discovery for the last three years? Can I be honest with you? Discernment is overrated. 
Discernment is just overrated. Too much negativity, judgment, cynicism, and stopping of the church happens because Christians are, in inverted brackets, discerning. I'm not saying discernment's not important because it is, and there is a watchman aspect to my role. But you know, I, I'm intuitive with people. I guess that's part of my gift. I see the potential, I see the problems. And you know, after just meditating on that scripture and really thinking about, this has been a journey now, 12 years, 13 years, I've been the pastor of this church, and looking back, I realize that a lot of discernment was just a lot of bull dust. But if, if I can just do what God graced me to do, and just, I'm not the best preacher, but if I can see that seed of faith in somebody, if I can put that potential into somebody's life, if I, can just, if I can just get into that gear, not worry about all the bad stuff, but just, just put out that light, put out that encouragement, then, I, you know, people start to lift with it, don't they? They start to, they start to go to a whole nother level. And friends, I believe that you and I, we've got to work out what we need to consciously ask God to change about our thinking. Don't live the same life for the next decade. Who wants to be a different person in 2017 to 16 to 15 to 14? Come on, Whangarei. You might be in the northern city, but you can have honoring thoughts towards God. I'm telling you, God wants to lift our thinking. He wants to change our hearts. He wants to make us different. And the way He does that is because we give Him permission to be involved in the way that we think. Number three, I've got to wind this up. The band can come and join me. Train our thoughts to turn toward God. This is about a, a new form of training. Training. I'm talking here about mental discipline. Like you've been trained your whole life what you should say and not say. Start thinking about your thoughts and say, well, I'm going to train myself what I should think and what I shouldn't think. That's an amazing discovery, isn't it? Just because a thought popped into your head, it doesn't necessarily worthy, it's not necessarily worthy of our rumination. Sometimes the thought comes in and the moment it comes, it must leave. And if it's allowed to stay, it pulls us away from the life that God has for us. Have you ever stopped to consider that? I'm, I'm a road cyclist for those of you who, who are maybe new to a rise. And earlier this year, I got knocked off my bike. It was a fairly significant accident. I fractured my skull and uh, I'm still having physio on this shoulder. And, and uh, you know, it was, it was a pretty significant accident. It freaked a lot of people out and, and, uh, and, and myself included. And, and when I started to get well, I started to think about getting back on the bike. Lots of questions. Will you get back on the bike? Will you get back on the bike? And then I'd be driving in the car and seeing these people on their bikes and it was like calling to me, you know. But every time I thought about getting back in that saddle, every time the most crazy movies started playing in my head. I don't remember the accident, but I would, I'd, I'd see myself like, you know, taking a corner too tight and going off the side of a cliff or, you know, a car coming on the wrong side of the road. Movies started playing through my head. You ever had a, a fear you've got to get over? And I realized that this was not right because the Bible says that God's perfect love drives out fear. So it's not God playing these movies through my thoughts. So I started to, to do something. Every time I saw that, 
I started to praise God. I started just to praise God. Glorify the Lord. Take my thinking and switch it. Take that channel and say, I'm not watching greatest fears live stream. I'm watching praise the Lord. TV. I'm, I'm changing channel. I'm, I'm moving my mind over. Today, I was, uh, this week, I was riding home with Ben, and we got to this intersection. There's just cars everywhere. And I'll be honest, in my head, I was like, I am going to die. But I started to do something on the inside of my mind, and Ben laughed at me. But I just started saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me because I can walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Cars are coming left and right, but I'm saying this mine, it's not going in that direction. It's not going in that direction. I'm just going to train my mind to glorify God. I'm not giving place to fear. I'm not giving place to negativity. Come on. If you believe that you can train your thoughts to worship Jesus, to magnify Him, and He'll give you life, why don't you give Him some praise right now? Come on, honor the Lord. Honor the Lord. We give you glory, Jesus. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor John Cameron. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church, check out arisechurch.com or find us on YouTube.